everyone. I'm Desiree, and this is Sharga Love Stories. It's just me today. <laughs> We're four episodes in. Today will be episode five, with three more left to go before we wrap up our first season of Sharga Love Stories. And this response has been unreal since we launched. And honestly, I never would have imagined how many people would connect and how far-reaching our stories would go. As of this week, we officially have had more than 1,700 streams and over 1,400 listeners from around the globe, mostly from the Philippines, but also in Canada and. The U.S., the U.K., Europe, Australia—the list goes on. So we're definitely feeling the love, and I'm so humbled and just so grateful to you for listening and journeying with us through these stories. And you know, it's not even just about the numbers; it's the messages and all your very well thought out DMs, sharing how you felt after a particular episode, or the quotes that resonated with you the most. We really appreciate them, so keep them coming. So a few people have asked me, so Des, when are you going to share your story? Real talk, my immediate reaction was, there's no goddamn way. <laughs> I will maintain this role as strictly the interviewer, and you know, I felt that I've already revealed so much about myself in these past few episodes, so I'm good. <laughs> But you know, the universe has its way, and there was a series of events this past week、um, in the world and in my personal life that made it so difficult for me to remain silent and not share my story. For those of you who may not know, a few weeks ago, March sixteenth, exactly, there was a tragic event in Atlanta, Georgia, in the U.S. A violent shooting of Asian Americans in a spa, which opened up conversations about the racism and discrimination against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the United States. And since the pandemic happened last year. There's been thousands of reports of hate incidents of people just blaming Asian Americans for the coronavirus, among other things. So yeah, lots on my mind,、um, and it's been triggering for sure. The beauty for me of living in Shargao is that we don't really have to talk about it. You know, living in New York City during the Trump era, I was constantly enraged just all the time. Like I would wake up with this <laughs> perma scowl on my face. All the news and you know, seeing how fucked up the world was just started eating away at my soul. So when I moved to Shargao, I promised myself to, of course, still stay aware, but not let. The bad news of the world consumed me like it did when I was living in New York and Toronto, where you can't really escape the news or media even if you tried. But these past few days, despite the beautiful sunshine and the waves we're so blessed with here, I I just couldn't sleep thinking and feeling the pain of and with the global community and my friends and family at home. 
And these past events really just took me back to when my whole journey of healing and returning to love actually began two and a half years ago when I first landed in Shargao. So it's crazy how everything just comes into full circle anyway. I've debated whether to share this story and my thoughts on this podcast, on this episode. I didn't know if I can actually go through with it, but knowing myself, I don't think I could have gone any further or given our future guests my full energy and attention without addressing what's been so heavy in my mind and in my heart. So, okay. So in 2018, I had just moved back to Toronto from New York, feeling miserable and just ready to leave the city for good. I knew I wanted to live in the Philippines and to connect and reconnect with my roots. But, you know, then I also wanted to find a place where I can surf every single day. I knew, I always knew I wanted to become a yoga teacher too. So I was looking for a training I can do pretty soon. And so crazy. Uh, I just happened to find that there was a 200 hour yoga teacher training that November, 2018 in this Island. I kind of heard about called Chargao in the Philippines. It was so perfect. Um, we'd be there training for a month in a beautiful tropical haven called Lotus Shores, all vegan food, you know, just the works. So I packed the tiniest suitcase in the world. <laughs> with the intention of fully moving to Shargao without even being there. It's, it's weird. I just felt it in my gut that, that, that I would never want to leave and that would kind of be my home. So I landed in Shargao October 30th, um, 2018. Still to this day, I remember the ride from the airport to Lotus Shores. It was sunset. The sky was purple. The air was so fresh no cars on the road. You know, I knew right then and there, this was going to be my home for a while. When I got to the retreat, I met about 22 of the students. I was the only Filipina and there were mostly white women, amazing women. Everyone had just this kind energy, just radiating goodness. And this type of yoga training was called embodied yoga, which blends together traditional yoga poses and somatics and movement and meditation to help you reconnect with your own body, mind, and spirit. Um, one of the main things that um, makes them kind of different is that they practice this kind of mind, body centering and embodiment. So it's basically rewiring our nervous system to feel at home within our own bodies, being present in our body as a form of awareness and liberation and, and self-healing. I didn't know this. <laughs> I thought I was just going to have, you know, a month's worth of a good workout and meditation, and then magically I'll become a yoga teacher. As the days went by, I soon began to realize that this experience uh, wasn't going to be that. It was so emotional. It was a very emotional time for everyone. You know, everyone, there was a lot of people just crying on their mats, feeling all the feels, just accessing parts of themselves that 
were never fully explored. Naturally, of course, I resisted. <laughs> no tears for me. I'm thinking, you know, I'm stronger than that. Um, I, I thought there really wasn't anything in my life that was so traumatic or that painful that I knew there wasn't really anything for me to cry about, really. And then halfway, almost halfway through our month-long training, something happened to me that literally changed everything. Like, it shifted the entire makeup of who I was and just cracked open my heart forever. It was evening, and there were tea lights everywhere and yoga mats laid out in the shala, this big, beautiful shala in the middle of the jungle in Shargao. Each student had to plan about 15 minutes of a yoga class and present to everyone or, you know, teach that portion. Afterwards, our teacher would give us notes or constructive criticism so that we can improve and, you know, progress. I must have been one of the last ones up. So I did my 15 minutes. I was, I was nervous, but I got through it and I taught this class of 22 people for the first time. And, you know, I felt good about it. You know, I was shy, still confident, but, you know, I, I, I finished feeling proud. So then after it was my turn for feedback from the teacher. And this was the feedback given that my voice sounded like a phone sex voice that my legs, when I moved it in a certain way to switch sides on the spinal twists, looked like stripper legs. One of the students said, I look so fierce in my teaching that I reminded them of this Japanese anime character from a show that she watched. And this wasn't like a group of my girlfriends just joking around with me or teasing me, folks. This was from my yoga teacher and my peers right after my very first yoga class that I taught. It was a class I poured my heart and soul into, and all they saw was this dark-skinned, sexualized body without a soul. Naturally, you know, I laughed it off as usual. It's what I've always done because speaking up meant making everyone feel uncomfortable or feel bad for what they said. And they thought these were all compliments. They were giving me good feedback, I guess. So I thanked them when the night ended and then we all went to bed. The next day, I kid you not, I woke up with my body feeling so heavy, like 10 heavy bolsters just holding me down. My shoulders felt like it was being pinned down to the bed. I, I couldn't move, and I didn't know why. Finally, I was able to get up and get to class, and it was a yin class. And we were learning about meridian lines. So meridian lines in Chinese medicine, um, to simply put, are these invisible lines or channels uh, by which our energy flows throughout the body. So we started off the class standing in this mountain pose, and then we were to trace our fingers along our outer body to first try and access these invisible energy lines. As we were doing this practice, you know, I started feeling that frog in your throat, 
And that, and then my chest started feeling really heavy. So I had to lie down in Shavasana, um, on the ground just to calm myself down because I didn't know what was happening and I could feel tears just streaming down my face as my eyes were closed. My teacher came over to check if I was okay. And I said I was. And then five seconds later, I had to bolt out of the yoga space somewhere, private hiding, just sobbing uncontrollably, not fully understanding why or where these emotions were coming from. I mean, two weeks of not crying, this tough Brooklyn girl, right? So these tears were shocking to me. Like it was stinging my eyeballs. Eventually, I came back to the circle after an hour or two, and then it was time to share what we thought of the yin class we just took, or the class I completely missed. It took every ounce of bravery, every ounce and every cell in my body to muster up the courage to share what it was I actually felt with these women. Luckily, I had already written everything down in my private journal, which I had no intention of sharing with anyone. And then my very good friend, Alex, basically my island sister, who I briefly told, and she was by my side whispering to me and encouraging me, you can do this. They need to know. So I did share, and this is what I said in the circle, and I'll read it to you straight from that very journal. I woke up this morning and my arms and whole torso felt like heavy bolsters weighing me down. It was almost difficult to get up. I realized it was also because I couldn't sleep. I was up thinking. Yesterday, when others asked me how it felt to teach for the first time, I said, I didn't know. All I could remember was the phone sex voice comment. It brought me back to a very traumatizing time in university in Canada, writing a research paper on the hypersexuality and fetishization of Asian American women, a topic incredibly new to me, but brought about when the TV show Tila Tequila started becoming popular and everyone was drawing comparisons between me and this busty, bisexual Vietnamese American personality. Growing up in pockets of New Jersey with communities of predominantly white people and then university, the country club school of Canada, I was used to being the only Asian in the room or in class. It was only until my deep dive into that term paper I had become, quote, woke to the idea that I will only and always be seen as the other within these groups. Historically, Asian women have always been objectified as hypersexualized entities, stereotypes driven by colonialism and much of modern media, the submissive geisha, the Thai call girl, the Japanese Harajuku schoolgirl. It's so deeply ingrained in the Western subconscious that they hardly ever see it as offensive. When I got feedback on my phone sex voice and stripper legs as I switched between poses, I laughed with them. I always find it was easier to laugh with them so as not to isolate myself even further or make them feel uncomfortable. I am still like them, I tell myself. But then flashbacks of my woke year in university came. After writing that term paper, I couldn't be with a guy for the longest time. I felt disgusted with myself, ashamed of my own body, especially when I hear comments like, 
my first Asian exclamation point being said by these white college boys after they've hooked up with a girl. It's affected me. And to this day, I've never been in a relationship because I hate the feeling of being owned by someone. I thought being in a relationship meant that that person was able to dictate or control what I did in my life or where I went or how I carried myself. I'm not the type to ever be offended and so far from being overly sensitive. My guard has been up for a million years. But I think it's important to share this with the group for future thought or maybe so that they can be more aware. Yesterday, I felt reduced to the image of Asian strippers and anime cartoons. It was disappointing, but not surprising. I'm still that caricature to the white eye. The token Asian woman that reminds them of that character from that one reality TV show. It was the worst and most humiliating feeling, but it snapped me back to reality, brought me back to the reason I wanted to become a yoga teacher in the first place. To provide an inclusive space, a diverse community of strong individuals brought together through movement and music that feeds their soul. To maybe inspire others, especially Filipinas and women of color, to share their stories and connect with others through the power of yoga and meditation. To make wellness accessible to all and not just privileged communities. This experience has been eye-opening on so many levels, and I'm taking it all in. (sighs) Okay, (laughs) I'm going to take a sec. So that was what I shared with within that circle. That was what I read out loud to them. I looked up from my own tears and every single person was crying. That day and for the rest of the yoga training just strengthened our group even further. Me thinking, you know, I'm definitely going to be isolated once I say this. Everyone's going to be afraid to talk to me now, afraid to hurt my feelings. But by saying this out loud, by sharing what I felt, by choosing not to remain silent, by calling it out, by giving it a name, it just connected us even more. It brought us closer as human beings. I removed my veil and they were able to see me in all my pain, sadness, and anger. There's this beautiful quote by Nina Simone referenced in Rachel Ricketts' new book, which is called uh, Do Better, Spiritual Activism for Fighting and Healing from White Supremacy. And Nina Simone says, What I hope to do all the time is be so completely myself that my audiences and even people who meet me are confronted with what I am inside and out as honest as I can be. And this way, they have to see things about themselves. This whole embodied yoga experience, however painful, was so transformative. It literally cracked open my heart to let more light and love in. I didn't know the pain and the trauma I was suppressing, but my body knew. These little microaggressions, me never speaking up for the comfort of others around me, just, you know, letting things pass and shrugging it off. These little things accumulate over the years and leave impressions in your body that if not accessed, it can 
leave you in just this container of darkness. Like you'll forever not feel at home within your own body. Going through my whole twenties, you know, seemingly confident and, you know, frolicking between parties and events, dating these random guys, oblivious to anything, really always playing it cool. I never did the internal work, nor did I want to do the work in understanding my own internalized shame for my own body in understanding my past pains, my suppressed pains and inner rage. And that was what was accessed. That was what was unraveled during that experience on the mat. We owe it to ourselves, women, women and men to do the work in understanding our own personal traumas, even our own cultural history and generational traumas and learning how to heal from it. I know now why I have this impenetrable protective barrier when it comes to my heart and relationships. And it's because the world is so fucking cruel. (laughs) I needed that armor to protect myself so I can move carefree and with ease in this world to integrate myself into this world. But it took me a while to realize that that fake, tough exterior really doesn't do shit. Without doing the internal work, it really does affect how we love, the way in which we love. It it blocks us from ever truly knowing ourselves. And that's the most harmful thing you can do to yourself. Without doing the internal work, It limits our capacity to love deeply because we're so afraid to quote, go there. And it's scary shit. I'm not going to lie, but trust me on this. It's so worth it. There's this powerful quote by Rumi. The cure for the pain is in the pain. I now feel so much more freer and happier than I've ever been in my life because of that self-love, that self-actualization, that wholeness that came from that decision to stop resisting and take on this healing journey. I can now embody the love and the freedom I wish to create in my outer world and be more effective in helping others find that same liberation. Okay, so that was, is my love story. (laughs) That's my return to love. And it's still very much an ongoing journey for me. Again, I want to thank you truly and deeply from the bottom of my heart for sticking around and listening. That was my release, my little purging, so... I can breathe better now, sleep better probably. So thank you. We have three more episodes left with three amazing people, which I'm so excited to share with you. And mark this on your calendar if you're interested, but on Sunday, April 4th, which is Easter Sunday, I'll be holding an all about love yoga class online via Zoom at uh, 7 a.m. Philippines time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'll be holding it at the beautiful Lotus Shores in Chargao. It's donation-based, so any amount you'd like to give would be much appreciated. And you can find the link on our Instagram bio, at Chargao Love Stories. And once you donate, we'll send uh, 
a Zoom link prior to the start of class on that Sunday. All donations will go directly towards funding the full season of Sharga Love Stories, including better sound quality and overall production of these last remaining episodes. We don't profit from this podcast. It's literally a creative love project. So any bit of funding really helps. More details on our Instagram. So please follow us there. Thank you once again for tuning in. And I hope this episode resonated with you in some way, shape or form. Big shout out to all my Asian sisters around the globe and to my Filipina sisters on the island. You have saved me. Whether we know each other or not, surfing alongside you and watching you take these waves um, makes me see my own beauty, my own power reflected back to me. And there's no greater feeling in the world than sharing the ocean with you. So I see you and I feel you. Let's take care of each other. Sending all my light and love to you from Shargao. Bye for now. It's gonna take a bit of work.